Welcome to Slay Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. Welcome to Slate Church. Have you had a good night so far? Good. Really excited for uh, the rest of this uh, service here. And uh, really, really expectant of what's, uh, what's going to take place in these next few, next few minutes. Um, my name is Brandon Richardson. As uh, Pastor Luke introduced me, I'm one of the pastors here alongside my wife, Emma. We've got three kids. And uh, they're beautiful. They're incredible. We love them. Um, what else am I going to say as a pastor? It's like, I'm not going to say anything bad right now. Um, but no, they're awesome. We absolutely love being parents. And we pastor with Luke and Victoria Betker. And, and uh, God's been doing some pretty cool stuff in our church, isn't he? Yeah. It's good to be reminded of that because uh, we can so easily take for granted what God is actually doing. You know, we can so easily take for granted the fact that, you know, it's 4 p.m. on a Sunday and we've got a room packed out of people expecting to see Jesus move in their lives. And uh, we can just kind of walk in like this is normal. Here's, here's the deal. This isn't normal. Can I say that again? This isn't normal. When do you guys eat anyway? Like it's right over dinner hour and you're all here. It, it, it's phenomenal. But, but we need to remind ourselves it's not normal so that we can bring our, 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 our minds and our hearts full of expectation of what God can actually do in this space tonight. Because here's the thing. I mean, it's kind of a waste of time if we just come here and expect the normal. Because God doesn't want just normal for us. He wants supernatural. He wants uh, to actually meet us. He wants to do something that we can't do in our own power, in our own strength. And uh, I really believe tonight, if we're open to it, if we haven't already experienced it, that we have the opportunity to experience God in this place tonight. I, I really believe that through the words that are spoken and the songs that are going to be sung later on in this message, that we can actually um, prepare ourselves to meet with the, the living God, the, the, the one that created our souls, died for our souls, loves our souls, and, and I really believe that that can happen in this place tonight. So let's not expect the ordinary. Cool. Turn to somebody and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, if you're ready, why don't you uh, grab your Bible? Who's got a real physical Bible with them tonight? Hold it up in the air, proud. You, I mean, if you're going to haul it all the way to church, I mean, you might as well get some recognition for it. So take that Bible, hold it way up high, and then hit somebody beside you that doesn't have their Bible. Say, like, bring your Bible to church. <laughs> Who has their Bible on their phone? Whose Bible is almost dead? Because it's on a phone. <laughs> um, whatever Bible you've got, it's just important that you read it. It doesn't have to be physical. Just make sure you're reading it. And maybe turn off your notifications if you're reading it on your phone. Isn't that so, so distracting? You're like, I'm going to sit down in the presence of God. And you go on your phone, and all of a sudden, it's like, someone liked your photo. And you're like, what? <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like the enemy showed up in your season of fasting. Like, I'm two minutes into fasting media. Like, all of a sudden, you've got a decision to make. We're going to find ourselves in Luke. Everybody say Luke. Everybody say, I love Luke. I feel the love, Luke. Feel it. All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, all right? Luke chapter 19, of course, 
As has been mentioned before, Luke is very detailed in his writing, and uh, he's detailed in his writing because he's a doctor. Now, I'm surprised they could get the manuscripts from Luke whatsoever because doctors have terrible penmanship, but uh, apparently he gave all the details that we needed to know, and, and uh, one of the details he includes that isn't included in the other synoptic gospels, the go- synoptic gospels are the gospels that are quite similar in the way that they tell their story, they're quite similar in, in, uh, in, in the stories that they tell, the way that they tell them and everything else, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, One of the stories that doesn't pop up in any of the Gospels, including the Synoptic Gospels, is this story in Luke chapter 19 about a guy named Zacchaeus. Everybody say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Everybody say it with some oomph. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. That's too hard for you. We can just call him Zach. Say uh, Zach. Not not quite as cool. This is the same Zacchaeus that some of us used to sing about in our children's uh, Children, uh, or Bible study, or whatever it is when you're, what is it? Sunday school is what I'm looking for. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, wee little man was he. Climbed up on the sycamore tree. I never paid attention in Sunday school. (laughs) No, I did. It's just my musical abilities are this, this much. I've... (laughs) It's about this much. But this is the same Zacchaeus, and we're going to read in Luke chapter 19, verse 1, all right? If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, Luke chapter 19, verse 1 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And I love it because what's going to um, uh, uh, come after, after, after this is, is he's actually going to do something. I love that even when Jesus is just passing through, he can make life change. Hey, if you're here today and you're just like, you're just passing by Jesus today, you're just coming to check out church, I believe that God can make an impact on your life for eternity by just passing through your life. I said he was just, he was just passing through. He didn't even have, he wasn't even coming to really do a whole lot. He was just on his way to Jerusalem and he comes through Jericho and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Everybody says Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. If tax collectors weren't bad enough, here we have a chief tax collector. He's the head of the pyramid scheme. <laughs> Anybody into selling stuff from your home? Don't do it here. All right. Well, listen, Zacchaeus is the head, was a chief tax collector. And, and the thing about chief tax collectors is that tax collectors weren't like, chief tax collectors really weren't liked. And one of the interesting things that we find in this passage is that this is the only place in scripture where chief tax collector is actually used. In fact, in other, other uh, 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 versions or, or um, uh, uh, yeah, versions of, of scripture that, that word it differently, uh, it, it goes on to say that he was a notorious sinner. So, so listen, what, what we're talking about tonight, if you're like, I don't know if I get, like, I come to church and, and, and they're saying that they've done bad stuff, but I'm looking around, everybody looks pretty good to me, and I don't know if I fit into this. Listen, the story that we're basing the rest of the night on is based on a chief tax collector and a notorious sinner, okay? Somebody that was so unique in their sin that Jesus must have passed by him as he was passing through. But let's, let's take a look. It says he was chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, but being a wee little man, what is it with Sunday school? We take something like one little thing about someone's life and we just 
blow it out of proportion. Like make, make a short man feel even shorter. It's like Jesus was a wee little man, a wee little. It's like not that short. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't let him in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like if anybody wants to come into my house on the first visit, it's like all, all you've done is DM me. You're not coming over to my house. And he says, let me come stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will repay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. I want to talk a message tonight and if you're taking notes tonight, you can write down this title. I want to speak a message called Shortchanged. Turn to somebody and say, I feel shortchanged. Shortchanged. You know, we're going to talk tonight about this idea of feeling shortchanged, from going from shortchanged to short and changed. We're, we're going to talk about this idea of feeling unseen but being made clean. I, I really believe that if we're in this room, we identify with Zacchaeus' story at all. Maybe we're not short, but we're short on something in life. I really believe that God really wants to speak to us. So why don't we pray and then we'll get into it. Jesus, thank you for who you are and, and what you're up to tonight. I thank you for the privilege of being here on this platform. And I pray that I would fade into the background, that you would come into the foreground so that, God, you may be made famous here tonight, that you would be glorified in this place tonight. Jesus, may you speak to our hearts in the way that only you can. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Well, Zacchaeus had this, this problem. I mean, he was in, in some ways unseen. In some ways, society chose to not see him because he was a tax collector. And nobody likes the tax collector. Even today, nobody likes tax collectors. And so he's faded off into the background of the crowd, and, and he's just unseen. The other reason he's unseen is basically because he's short, and, and people can't see him. Now, some of you might know what this is like, not being seen because you're short. Uh, some of us that are not short but have short spouses will know what it's like to be in a crowd and not be able to find your spouse, you know. I was always worried about getting lost as a kid. I didn't realize that I was going to grow up and be worried about losing my wife. And uh, there's sometimes when we're just in a crowd like the Elmira Maple Syrup Festival and, and you're just looking out and you're like, I've lost my wife. You know, like, you know. Ten years ago, this would have been a problem before smartphones, but thankfully, I can just quickly send her a text and be like, where are you? And she's like, I'm right beside you. You know, like, oh, there you are. Sorry. Um, but sometimes, sometimes it's good to not be seen. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's good. I mean, some of us like uh, Slate Church because we can come in, and we can come in right when the message is just beginning because that's why, what we want to hear, and we know we want God to, God to meet with us. We come in just after everybody else has come in because we don't want to be seen. And just before the end of service, we quickly sneak out, but, 
but, but sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes we're like, that, that's how I can, I can fill up on God because I, I, I'm not seen. There's times in my life where I'm glad that I, I wasn't seen. One such time I was driving my dad's Corolla sport mode, you know, with the little uh, plastic, uh, whatever. I don't know anything about cars, things on the sides that are lower, whatever. And uh, I remember driving it in the snow, and it was a stick shift, and I like that. But I remember slamming into a snowbank and looking around in the middle of my small town, and nobody was around, and I was like, Thank God, you know, thank God nobody's around, drive away and everything else. I'm also glad sometimes to not be seen in, in, in other ways. One such way is I have, a weird, I have a weird condition. Somebody else might have this condition as well. I definitely pass it on to my kids, at least my, my son Theo. And the condition is this, is that my, my body, for whatever reason, produces more saliva than what my, my mouth can hold. Anybody have an overactive salivatory gland or whatever, however you say that? Nobody? Okay, because the hands that are up will know what I'm talking about here. Because there's times when I'm just like reading a book in my office. In fact, this happens more than I want to admit. I'll just be sitting there and I'll be like, nobody has this problem, it's just me. Well, this is why I'm thankful that I'm not seen, you know. But every once in a while, you'll just be out in public and having a good time, accepted by everybody around you, and all of a sudden, you'll just be eating your, like, chicken wings, and, and people look at you, and now you're the outcast, you know. Okay, so, so sometimes it's good not to be seen. But here's the thing. It's, it's a terrible thing to not be seen when you want to be seen. It's a terrible feeling wanting to be seen, but... Everybody kind of overlooks you, right? It's a terrible thing when you're saying, hey, can somebody just notice what I'm going through? Can somebody just see me for who I am? Can I just for once walk out into the into public just without the mask that I put on when I leave my house and actually be accepted for who I really am, not who I project myself to be to everybody around me so that I'll be accepted? You see, there's some of us in the room tonight where we, we really, we, we get this, is that we've, been, we've just been wanting to be seen for the real me. But everywhere we go, it seems like we're not seen because we got to put on a front or we got to put on a cover or we got to project something other than what we really are and we're walking around and, and actually there's a bit of a, a, a disconnect happening within us because we're going like, what, why, why is it that, that, that I can't just be seen for who I am? I, I remember being you know, young and, and in church and even in a church environment that this can happen. I just remember praying and praying when I was younger. God, I just need a word from you. I, 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 just, need, I just need to hear from you. If the pastor would just mention my name from the platform once and tell me what I need to do with my life, then maybe I'll know what to do with my life. <laughs> Anybody ever been in a position like this where you're desperate to be seen but nobody seems to see you? You know, I, I, I think that it's a, it's a tragedy when, when we're handed something in life that causes us not to be seen, and, or we hand, we're, handed our, we're handing ourselves something in life that causes us not to be seen, and, and we walk through life just desperately wanting to be seen, and, and of course we see this in Zacchaeus, it seems like this guy is tired of not being seen, and, and he's chosen his life, he's chosen to steal from people, he's chosen to take more off of the top of people's taxes than what he was rightfully supposed to charge them, he's chosen that life, but one thing that he didn't think that he would be choosing in the process was choosing to be unseen. You see, Zacchaeus was shortchanged in life. But it's interesting because he's not the only one that felt shortchanged in life. The crowd also felt shortchanged. 
And this is why they're so offended when Jesus comes into contact with Zacchaeus and invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Because all the people that were following Jesus up until that point didn't feel shortchanged by not being able to be seen in, in public or, or, or other spheres or, or places in society. They felt shortchanged because they were literally shortchanged by the guy that Jesus was inviting himself over to his house. See, these people were offended not because they weren't seen. They were offended because somebody was seen that they didn't want to be seen. See, here's the thing that we've got to understand as a church is that God wants to reach every single person equally, and we can't get in the way of people being seen by Jesus. Can I break that down just for, just for a second here? Because the crowd was the reason why Zacchaeus wasn't able to see Jesus. This happens all throughout scripture where the crowd actually becomes a barrier to those actually able to experience Jesus. Think of the two blind men, the two blind beggars that appear in just a few chapters earlier in Luke where they're calling it to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what does the, what does the crowd say? They say, shh, be quiet. And what does Jesus do? He says, no, 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 what do these men want? Isn't it interesting that sometimes the crowd that is following Jesus can be the first people to get into the way of the people that Jesus actually wants to reach? Listen, if we're going to see people change and not shortchange as a church, we've got to start standing up and saying, hey, not in our church, not in our crowd, not in our family. We're not going to be part of the reason as to why people are shortchanged. So you need to know from from. The, the platform of Slate Church, you need to know from the heart of Slate Church, you need to know from the value system of Slate Church that no matter what your story is here tonight, you are welcome. No matter what your story is here tonight, you are loved. No matter what your story is here tonight, Jesus wants to meet you. And if somebody from the church has gotten in the way of that, we are sorry. And we're just calling you back and saying, hey, listen, God wants to meet with you. And we want to be a part of the process. I'm not keeping him distant from you, but bringing you back into relationship with him. Can I just remind us as a church that even in our vision statement, in our mission statement, whatever we want to call it, it says that we exist as a church to see people that don't know Jesus, people that are far from Jesus, come into relationship with him. Let's not allow our gathering as a crowd to actually be one of the reasons why we don't go out and find more people to bring them into a family. Listen, we're not building a crowd at Slate Church. We're building a family at Slate Church. And a family goes out and finds other children that need to be a part of what's happening and brings them back into the fold. Jesus, at the end of this, says, I came to seek and save what was lost. Well, guess what? He handed that mission over to the church, and so the church needs to stand up and realize that that's our call as a church, to go seek and save the lost, bringing them into the presence of God, so that anybody that feels shortchanged on life might actually be changed. You know, I, uh, I went with uh, Pastor Luke just a, uh, a couple of weeks ago. A couple Sundays ago, and we went and saw Malcolm Gladwell. Anybody know Malcolm, who Malcolm Gladwell is? If you don't know who Malcolm Gladwell is, I feel sorry for you. He's, he's brilliant. He's got a, a podcast called Revisionist History. I believe he has another one that I'm not that interested in because it's about music. And again, I'm, I'm just, I know nothing about music. But um, he actually wrote a few different books and he's actually from Elmira, which is pretty cool. And he's wrote a few different books. His latest book, um, uh, which I, I'm blanking on. Luke was his latest book, Talking to Strangers, which is like 
scary book when you have kids. You're like, what are you writing about Malcolm? But anyway, he was in Kitchener the other week, and he's a big deal. He's written for the New Yorker for years. He, uh, he, I mean, his, his books go um, New York Times bestseller, every single one of them uh, ends up on that list. Like, he's a big deal, and he's in Kitchener the other day. And, you know, you're always expecting these people to walk in in a certain way, and and I'm in my car, and I just came from Subway because it's between services. And I just have a moment to see Malcolm Gladwell with, with Luke and, and Aaron Forche, and we're there, and, and we're, we're, we're going to take it all in. And I'm just in my car, and I'm just finishing up my chocolate milk. And, and I go to put it down, and all of a sudden, my chocolate milk, as I put it down, explodes all over me. At the exact same time that Malcolm Gladwell decides to walk past my car and look at my sorry self, cleaning all of my chocolate milk off of me with water bottle as he walks by. I'm like, I'm an idiot, you know? But I go in, the whole Malcolm Gladwell thing happens. It was great. And then what happened afterwards was equally, if not more, embarrassing. I'm there, and I'm at Starbucks because it was at the Indigo in, in, in Kitchener. And I'm at Starbucks, and I'm feeling around, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I don't have my wallet. And I'm like, this is embarrassing. I'm like, that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just go up and, and I'll pay with my phone. You know, I, I got the app on my phone. And, and I'm like, shoot, the app doesn't have any money. And I'm getting closer to the line. I'm getting more freaked out. I'm like, oh, I, I'm not okay. I'm, it's okay. Just keep calm. You just play with, pay with your Apple Pay. That's what I'm going to do. And, and then I get up and I'm, I'm next in line. And I'm like, oh, shoot, my phone only has 1% on it. And I'm like, turn off, turn it to dim. I'm like, I'm just going to save it until. And, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, gosh, please order, you know. And all of a sudden, the barista goes back to do something. What are the baristas always doing back doing something? It's like, or let me order, please. I just, tall, dark rose, please, 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 please. And I get up to the front, and I'm like, 1% is fine. It's still there. And I'm like, oh, good. And he said, how are you going to pay? I'm like, Apple Pay. He's like, no problem. And then I go to put it on the tap, and he's got my coffee already sitting there. And I go to put it on the tap, and then all of a sudden, screen goes black. And the poor guy looking right at me knows something has gone awfully wrong. Because my entire face, my entire demeanor is like, <sighs> first I spilled chocolate milk on myself in front of Malcolm Gladwell, and now I can't even pay for a coffee for myself, you know? And I'm just running through all the bad scenarios in my head, like, oh, he probably thinks I faked this, like, I'm not actually going to pay for it. I'm going to, like, turn around and be like, does anybody buy me a coffee? And, like, you know, somebody's going to recognize me. Aren't you a pastor at Slate Church? Why don't they pay you enough to buy your own coffee? And, like, all these bad scenarios run through my head, and then all of a sudden, he does what's even more excruciating, is he just realizes I have no way to pay, and he just goes, you know what? Just take it, you know? And I'm like, just take it? I could have paid for this. Like, I'm not, you know, and I'm just, I, 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 I shortchanged Starbucks, you know? It feels bad to shortchange, but it feels bad to be shortchanged. I'm thinking through Zacchaeus in this story, and the poor guy has felt shortchanged. He's been shortchanging people, but on life, he feels shortchanged. It's interesting how sometimes our sin against other people actually causes us to feel more lonely in the end. Here's the thing about sin is we don't just talk about sin because we want to oppress people as a church or, or God wants to keep us under his thumb. No, God wants us to talk about sin and freedom from sin so that we might actually feel free as individuals that call on the name of God. He knows that the best way to feel free is not to by, by uh, engaging in whatever sin that we want. It's actually by getting free from sin so we don't have all of these things between us and other people. I know it's not a popular word, but, but, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a good word. 
See, Zacchaeus' sin has shortchanged him on life because now nobody wants anything to do with him. But his physical stature is the thing that actually has caused him to be a little bit more shortchanged in this story. Because his short stature is the thing that is keeping him from Jesus. But listen to this. Because there's some of us in this room, we feel short on many things in life. We feel short on opportunities. We feel short on money. We feel short on love. We feel short on joy. We feel short on time. We feel short on so many different things in life. But get this. It was Zacchaeus' shortness that caused him to walk up and climb up a tree. Here's the connection. Sometimes it's the things that we identify with. Sometimes it's the things that we are short of that actually cause us to be put in a position where Jesus can actually see us. Listen, Zacchaeus wouldn't have climbed the tree. We have no, we have no reason to believe that anybody else was up in any trees during this entire walk that Jesus is walking down the road. It's not like he's walking down the road and Jesus is just like giving high fives to people in trees and he's like, yeah, come on. No, it says that Zacchaeus ran ahead of the crowd and climbed up a tree in order to see Jesus. Isn't it interesting that his shortness, what he was short of, was the thing that put him in position to be seen by Jesus? I just want to. I just want to suggest that if you're short on love in this place, the answer is Jesus. If you're short on joy in this place, the answer is Jesus. If you're short on on anything like anything that comes to material, like money, or anything that comes to the emotional, like love, I want to suggest tonight that the answer is Jesus and getting ourselves in a position where He can see us. So Zacchaeus, he's 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 shortchanged. But he decides to do something that I think all of us need to do in this room tonight, and, and it's this. Zacchaeus decides to climb his tree. I, I want to suggest tonight that you need to climb your tree. Listen, if, if you're feeling less than, if you're feeling shortchanged in life, I want to suggest tonight that it's time to climb your tree. We, 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 we've got we to climb our tree. So many of us want to see a move of God in our lives but we fail to climb the trees that are available to us to put us in a position of nearness to God. So many of us want to see a move of God in our lives. So many of us want to see breakthrough in our lives. So many of us want to see some shift happen in our lives, but, but we fail to do the things necessary to put ourselves in proximity to Jesus. Now listen, Jesus always sees you. And the reason I know this is because he calls Zacchaeus by name as he approaches him. God always sees you. But are you seeing Jesus? Are you putting yourself in a position where you can see Jesus, not where Jesus can see you? Jesus has always seen you through all the moments where you thought you were alone. But it's different to be know, know that you are known by Jesus and actually get yourself in a place where you can see Jesus. And see, some of us need to put in the hard work to get ourselves in a place where we can know God better. See, a sycamore tree, a sycamore fig tree to be specific, was a... A type of tree that was, was actually seen, I mean, in some cultures, they actually worship these things. In, in the, uh, the time of uh, the reign of Egypt, specifically when the Israelites were in slavery, I mean, they, they like cultivated these things like crazy. They, it was like the only tree that they would ever plant was a sycamore fig tree. They, they worshiped these things. And the reason they did was because of how vast they are. If you've ever seen a sycamore fig tree, these things are not only tall, they're, they're gigantic tall, but they're almost as wide as they are tall. You see, a sycamore fig tree is a, is a, is a, a tree that, that, I mean, it's gonna take a lot of work to climb. 
But not only is it for Zacchaeus going to take a lot of work to climb this tree, but he's also got to push past some cultural understandings in order to climb this tree. You notice that it says that he ran ahead and climbed a tree. Well, culturally, this is, this is the last thing that you would do as a man that was upstanding. This is the last thing you would do if you were a no- notorious tax collector. If you wanted to be a man of prominence and an individual uh, uh, that, that people looked at and, and held a lot of significance in society, the last thing that you would do would be to run at all. Because running connotated that you were working for somebody. Running connotated that you were in a hurry and working for somebody else. Climbing was not something that men did. Climbing was something that children did. But all of a sudden, Zacchaeus, out of his need to see Jesus, breaks all cultural norms and barriers and puts in the work to put himself in a position where he can see Jesus. Can we just connect this to ourselves for just a second? Do, do you mind if I, if I just like bring it home a little bit here for us? Even, even just, just those of us that are, that are in this room, like, like maybe specific to tonight. You know, some of us, we come to church, right? And we're, we're wondering, wondering why, why, can't, why, can't I, why can't I experience Jesus? Ben, I'm, I'm going to need to remove you for a second. You, you go oh, sit over near Marco. You know, you don't even have a seat over there. You can stand by Marco. You know what, stay standing because the whole front row can stand. See, some of us, we come to church and we we desperately want a move of God in our life. We come to church and we sit in our seat and, you know, and we come to Slate and they're like, oh, okay, position me near the front. This is scary. (laughs) I've never been to Slate Church and this is not where I wanted to be tonight, you know. I wanted to be at the back. Reminder, show up a little bit late, you know. You're thinking like, okay, I'm sitting in the chair and you're like, I got very little arm room and. Okay, and, and we allow the distractions of our environment to keep us from positioning ourselves to receive from God. And most of the time we're thinking about, oh, uh, the girl's touching me. You know? <laughs> you know, some of us put ourselves in a position of, of, of stoicism, you know. We're, 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 just, we're just standing there like, I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm good. Some of us put ourselves in a position of overthinking ourselves, and we're going, if I do anything but stand here, I might be perceived as not normal to the people around us, and the last thing I want to do is to be perceived as not normal, because I know that if I'm short in any area of my life, especially normalcy, I might be outcasted by the crowd, so I'm just going to stand here and be as normal as possible. But here's the thing, the whole time we're thinking about our relationship to one another versus our relationship with God. Listen, you don't have to do anything special when you come to Slate Church. This isn't a prescription about what to do when you come into our church. But this is a bit of a a conversation between what are we hoping to get out of this place when we do come to meet with God? What are we hoping to get out of this service when we come to meet with God? Are we here to just overthink everything that's been going on in our lives? Are we here to break through cultural norms and set ourselves in a position where we can see Jesus and allow Jesus to speak to us and call our names in a moment of need. You see, some of us need to stop worrying about whether or not we got deodorant on, and some of us need to just start lifting our hands and saying, hey, sorry that I'm hitting you over here, but this is too valuable not to meet with Jesus today. It's too valuable to not climb this tree. It's too valuable to not have my name recognized by Jesus and to hear him speak into my heart. 
See, the problem in church is not that God hasn't showed up. It's that we haven't allowed our minds to show up. We haven't allowed our souls to show up. We haven't allowed our experiences to show up. We haven't allowed our humility to show up. We're hidden in plain sight. You guys can take a seat. Give it up for the front row. We're hidden in plain sight. Some of us recognize the key is climbing a tree, and we think, well, he's, he's climbing the tree because he doesn't want to be seen. In fact, some scholars actually agree with that. And I'm not saying that's an incorrect interpretation. You got to divide down the middle. Some of them say he wanted to be seen. Some of them say he didn't want to be seen. But, you know, the worst place to hide is <laughs> in the presence of Jesus. <laughs> you remember Adam and Eve? If there's anybody that you should know in the Bible, it's Adam and Eve. But more and more, I'm actually coming across in culture more and more people that don't even know who Jesus is. Let's be reminded of that, those of us that have gone to our church, gone to church our whole lives. <laughs> but Adam and Eve, first humans ever created, first humans on planet Earth, and they make a decision to break off the relationship with Jesus, or not Jesus, God. But anyway, that's theologically just, uh, I'll, I'll pass that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Technically, yes. But they break off the relationship somewhat unintentionally, but they choose to sin. They choose to choose other than God. What is the first thing they do? They go and hide. <laughs> and in Genesis, I think it's Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Genesis 3, verse 8. It says, Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to them, Where are you? Sometimes God will appease our, our attempts to hide from him. <laughs> Where are you? I can't find you. <laughs> it's like a dad playing hide and seek with his kids. In fact, I play hide and seek with my kids all the time. And the other day, Kenzie or Theo runs up and say, hide and seek. It's, it's probably Theo. Hide and seek. It's like, dude, if I was that passionate about life as you are for hide and seek, I'd be dominating, you know. It's like, hide and seek. It's like, yes, fine, we can play, you know. And so, as every dad does, we try to, like, make it legit. And, you know, I'm just waiting for the day where they can do it well. But, you know, counting, like, one, two, three, and you get to ten, and they're still scurrying about. And uh, they're trying to hide. They think, oh, I'm, we're going to hide from dad, you know. Meanwhile, I can hear where they are in the house because they, like, got, like, like, the opposite of hobbit feet. They've got, like, you know. But they hide. This is how they hid the other day. I believe we got a picture. This is how they hid. <laughs> this is where their toys are, you know. In fact, I knew that they were delayed in getting into there, so I'm like, hey, guys, you ready? They're like, yeah, we're hiding. I'm like, okay. Are you sure? Yeah, you can't find us. Like, this conversation lets me know where you are, you know. I turn around, and this is what it is, just two bums up in the air, you know. They were like that for a good minute, thinking that they were, they're ostriches. They got their head in the sand. They're like, you can't see me. <laughs> Listen, there's some of us in this room. This is what we look hiding, look like hiding from God. <laughs> we're putting more effort into hiding from God than we are putting ourselves in a position to see him. And, and this is what it looks like. I got, I'm hiding. You can't see me. <laughs> 
And the thing is, is the only reason that we think that is because we ignore God. We ignore the reality of God. If we got real with ourselves, we would know that we're not hiding at all. But we're running, and we think in our running, he can't find us. But here's the thing. God sees you in your climbing. God sees you in your hiding. Your climbing is kind of telling of what you're doing in your life. What are you putting the most effort into? Because that, you know, whatever it is, God will still find you at the end of it. I want to let you know that whether Zacchaeus was going up there to hide from Jesus, but get a little peek into what was happening, or he was going up there to be seen and to find Jesus, the same result happens at the end. The same result is there for those of us in the crowd, whether we're hiding or seeking Jesus, is that if you put yourself in a position where you can be seen by Jesus, he will call your name, and he will call you to a higher... You don't got to worry about Jesus seeing you. He already sees you. But I wonder tonight if you're willing to put in the effort to see Jesus yourself. Let's put in the work. Let's put it, raise our hands in worship. Let's get ourselves in a connect group. Let's commit to a Bible reading plan. Let's put ourselves in places where we can find the living God, where he doesn't just see us, but we start to discover him. Zacchaeus climbed his tree. I wonder what the tree you've got to climb tonight is. Maybe it's breaking off that relationship that you know is pretty toxic. (laughs) Maybe it's as Pastor Jonathan said last week, maybe it's just deleting five numbers from your phone so that you stop getting pulled right back into the same old stuff. Maybe for some of us it's, it's saying no to the opportunity. Maybe for some of us it's just opening up about what's really been going on to somebody that you find yourself doing life with. Whatever the case, if we don't want to be shortchanged in life, but we want to be changed, we got to climb our tree. Is this okay, church? I just got two quick points that are really one point. Is that okay if I, I finish? Because if we feel shortchanged in this life, once Jesus sees us, we, you know, can't just climb our tree. we got to actually climb down our tree. <laughs> I think that there's so many people that are interested in the idea of God, but they're stuck up in their tree. <laughs> stuck up in their tree. Jesus calls Zacchaeus to come down, and you know what? It's going to take a lot of humility because now all of a sudden, he's going to be in front of the whole crowd. All of a sudden, he's going to be at the mercy of their conversations. All of a sudden, he's going to be at mercy of their comments. All of a sudden, he's going to be at the mercy of their commentary. <laughs> And he climbs down from the tree because Jesus asked him to do it. And I, I just want to speak to the person that's been hiding from Jesus for some time, stuck up in your tree. I, I just want to let you know that when you come down for your, from your tree, it, it's not as bad as you think it is. Coming down from, from, from being against God is not as bad as you think it's going to be. You know, coming down and, and humbling yourself before God is not way. Because, what, listen, Zacchaeus comes down, a sinner, a notorious sinner, a chief tax collector, somebody who broke all cultural norms to find himself in a place that generally you weren't supposed to be. And he comes down and Jesus doesn't point his finger at Zacchaeus and ask him, what have you been doing for the last years of your, of your life? No, he says, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to spend tonight at your house. Listen, God is so much more merciful than we could ever ever understand in our minds. He is so much more merciful than any of us would ever give him credit. So many of us are scared of God, but what we need to know is that God loves you and wants you to come down into a relationship with him where you humble yourself before him and he can speak with you. You know, we were at a hotel this past week at our conference. We went up on Monday night for a dinner and then we stayed overnight and, and went to the conference the next day and... And uh, I jumped into uh, an elevator, and uh, I was going back to get something from the room. 
and I go into the elevator, and, and I was on floor three. And, and the guy with the buttons, uh, like, he wasn't, we weren't, <laughs> for, for, let me clarify, uh, we weren't in that kind of hotel where they just have somebody there pushing the buttons. This was just another person in the hotel, okay? Like, wow, <laughs> lead pastors rolling in style, I like, <laughs> I like. No, it was just like a random dude going to his own. And so he's standing there, it's like 12 floors and everything. He said, what room? And I said, and, and I just like coming in a hurry, I just needed to quickly get something because the others had already gone off. I just ran, I'm like, uh, he's like, what room? Uh, uh, what level? Uh, three. <sighs> Nothing happened. Doors closed. I'm like, he's like, uh, three what? Uh, three, three. Three what? Like three what? And he looks over at me and he goes, three please. So we got a short time together, so I gotta choose my words carefully. And I was less than Christ-like in this moment, but I said, oh, so we're going up literally two floors. <laughs> like, oh, so we're being a super Canadian, are we? <laughs> Just like first thing that came to mind. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, three what? Three, three please? Oh, oh, so we're 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 being super Canadian, eh? We're going up. We're going up. And he, and, and he looks over and he goes, what? I said, so we're being super Canadian, eh? And he goes, what? And I looked at him as the doors opened. I said, pardon? Do you mean pardon? And I walked at the doors. <laughs> and, and the look on this guy's face, he went from like, oh, like, please? <laughs> and, he's like, and, and, and all of a sudden I said, do you mean pardon? He's like, good one, you know, but, but that posture of, all of a sudden, there's a humility that took place in that, in that elevator, right, and then I had to go and repent to God, because I'm like, oh, man, why do I always, like, why, I, why did I have to engage in that, you know, I was just like, please, sorry, you know, I'm a Christian, <laughs> you know, turn the other cheek, you know, but, but, but humility looks like that, and so many of us are afraid of humility, because of the way that it sometimes places us with each other. But if we're afraid of where humility places us with each other, we might actually miss out on where humility places us with God. If, if we're afraid of climbing down the tree because it might put us on the level with others, we actually might just not find ourselves walking with God because here's the thing, Jesus walks with others. Jesus walks within a community. Jesus walks amongst the crowd. Jesus walks amongst our society. And some of us need to come down from our trees to meet Jesus for the first time. But some of us need to come down from our trees and engage with society for the first time. Because being stuck behind pews and be, being stuck behind church walls is not what God has called us to. But God has called us to a glorious future of walking with him. But we've got to be able to humble ourselves in order to walk with Jesus. And I want to finish with this. Because Zacchaeus says that he's going to give four times what he was going to give to, uh, to the poor that he had stolen from. Now, four times is quite significant 
Because four times was the price that a thief must pay in the Old Testament for anything that they stole from the people around them. If you stole an ox, well, you had to repay four oxes if you were caught. If you stole a sheep, you had to repay four times. And so Zacchaeus' first response to Jesus was one that spoke of his religiosity and his knowledge of the past. Zacchaeus was a Jew that knew what he was supposed to do. And when he came into contact with Jesus, all of a sudden he started doing it. But listen, we sometimes get this wrong, and sometimes we can read through this story and we go, oh, it's because Zacchaeus followed the law that he was accepted by Jesus. It's because Zacchaeus climbed up the tree. He was in a position to see Jesus. It's because Zacchaeus was called by Jesus. He was willing to humble himself. And it was because Zacchaeus paid back four times that Zacchaeus was accepted by Jesus. But here's the thing. Zacchaeus was accepted by Jesus long before he ever did anything for Jesus. Here's the thing. Before Zacchaeus decides to give four times what he had stolen from people. Before he did that, Jesus said to him, he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And the same opportunity is afforded to all of us in this room today. Jesus is saying, hey, before you ever do anything for me and before you do anything for others, I'm wanting to come into your house and into your heart and into your life because I'm going to offer myself to you before you ever offer anything to me. This is the essence of the gospel and one little tiny story where Jesus says, hey, I'm going to show you all once again that it's not based on what Zacchaeus did, but it's based on what I'm about to do for Zacchaeus that he's going to have relationship with me. And this is the best news of all because some of us have been carrying ourselves and walking around like God hates us and like God doesn't want anything for us and God's not going to look at us until we get all the ducks in a row. But here's the good news that you need to know is that there's nothing you can do to be accepted by God or to be loved more by God, or to be loved less by God. All you have to do is to accept Jesus and his invitation that he's invited himself into your house and to your life, and you get all of the things that Jesus offers to us as children of God. Come on, I I said at the beginning of that little rant that this is the good news of Jesus Christ, that we can't pay our way into salvation, but all we have to do is accept the free gift of salvation. Hey, can we stand up in this place? Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by this message in any way, send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. You can also visit slatechurch.com and fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. As well, you can stay connected with us by following us at Slate Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.